Welcome to Coffee, Grief, and Gratitude, a podcast by Coffee and Grief. I'm Maria Gibson, and this is my mom, Annie Gudger. We're a mom-daughter team who talk about grief. We started this podcast to learn more about grief and to be part of the conversation in normalizing grief. We're not looking for any answers because there really aren't any. We're just here looking for a conversation. We're going to tell you a little more about us. My biggest grief was being widowed when I was 28 and pregnant with Maria's older brother. Everything in my world changed, eventually for the good, and that took time. Eventually, there was Scott, my fabulous husband. Then we had Maria, our beautiful daughter. I'm fond of saying grief is the source of my superpowers. It's where I learned to not take time for granted. It's where I learned compassion and love in a bigger, deeper way. It's where I learned to be a beauty seeker, a joy seeker. I wrote my way through grief. I filled stacks of journals. Years later, I wrote a memoir. The fifth chamber is a story of love and loss. The fifth chamber as in, if your heart had a fifth chamber, what would you fill it with? It's my grief story and how I found my way back to me, how I found my way back to love and a beautiful life. I'm so happy to tell you that the fifth chamber is out and available any place you buy your books. We'll put a link in the show notes too. So for me, I was raised by my mom here who was grieving. Well, and my dad too. Uh, Grief was very normalized in our home. It's a thing that I've realized in the past several years is when we don't share our griefs, they become secrets and tear people up. But in sharing them, we can connect with each other on a very deep level. Personally, the past few years, I've lost multiple people in my life and several horses and a few cats. I feel most deaths in my life have been major benchmarks in how I view the world. We like to say that grief is transformative. You don't need to stay stuck in the hard parts. Grief is one of life's certainties. It allows us to connect to each other's humanity. If you're here in the early stages of grief, we're here to say it's hard. We're here to say to be kind to yourself and thank yourself for showing up, for being curious about what grief can look like in its wholeness. These conversations aren't a prescription. We're just here offering a little bit of hope. So as we like to say, grab your coffee and let's talk. So today we're doing something a little bit different than interviewing a guest. It'll just be me and my mom chatting and kind of reflecting on some of our podcasts and uh, the things we've learned and bringing you guys up to speed on a few things. And we've learned a lot through the past 20 something episodes. So here we wanted to talk about some of that. So um, mom, why did we name ourselves Coffee, Grief and Gratitude? I know we've laughed about that. We we named it that because um, we have a longstanding tradition of like, grab your coffee and let's talk. Let's sit around the kitchen table and share our day and share our joys and our dreams and our our sorrows and all of it. Um, it's that it's that comfort in coming together. Yeah, and I always thought like, well, when I was a kid, we'd go to your mom's house, my grandma's house, and she always had these little tiny cups that we loved and we'd share our coffee at her house even when I was young she always brought us coffee even though I didn't drink coffee other places because she loved coffee and we'd have the little cups and sit around her table and drink coffee and just anytime like there's a good conversation to be had it seems as though 
having a warm beverage is always helpful. So that's how we kind of landed on the coffee part. Yeah. I'm so happy you have that memory and the gratitude part too, right? Because that is so part of what we wanted to share. The grief is multi-layered. And while gratitude does not happen in the beginning, there is a point, there is a point in grief or there's the possibility in grief to also feel immense gratitude, which I, I know I've experienced that. And so have lots of other people we've talked with. Yes. And I think even just in having these conversations and having our write your grief out class and listening to the coffee talks, there's been so much gratitude in getting to witness people's grief stories and hold the space for people's grief stories and really taking the time to talk about things we don't often talk about. Yeah, it's really true. Um, okay. Well, since you mentioned that, do you want to say a little more about coffee talk for people who don't know what coffee talk is? Sure. A coffee talk is our online zoom, uh, writing, writing series, reading series, um, where five people come and read something they wrote. That's usually a personal grief story. Uh, it's every Thursday, the first, not every Thursday, the first Thursday of every month, every Thursday would be insane. Um, and it's always on zoom. It's at 7 PM Pacific, the Zoom link changes every month, so we put it on our Facebook page, but we love having listeners there. Every month it's different, and we don't know what the stories are ahead of time, but there always seems to be a nice thread that kind of goes through them and combines them. We've had 52 coffee talks. I think 52 is coming up. So uh, it's been 210 people, stories we've heard, which is crazy to me when they start compounding that fast. Uh, we started in March of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, and that was kind of the beginning of us starting this journey together of coffee and grief. Um, the pandemic, I don't know what you think about that pandemic, but it really was that opening, I think, for a lot of people to talk about grief. You were living here in the home with us, and we were, you know, sitting and scared to go, not outside, but scared to go like into society and be around other people, really. And um, I think the collective grief around COVID at the beginning of COVID was very evident. So yeah, grief, something we've talked about since I was a small child. So uh, it seemed pretty simple to go and talk about it more in the world. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was one of those beautiful things that was a seemingly simple idea. Um, truly like you came up with it when we were in the kitchen uh, probably still in our jammies, having a cup of coffee, right? And we talked about how um, at then in that early COVID, when no one knew what was happening and what was going to happen, there was this collective grief, right? Um, we weren't, everybody was experiencing it and everybody, most everybody was feeling isolated. And so we wanted to offer something, a way that we could be together while we were apart. And so you had this brilliant idea that we could, do something because we do talk about grief. We could do something around grief and I'm lucky to be a writer. So I know all kinds of writers. Um, and actually when we started, I love your, I love that you said earlier, it's every Thursday. Cause when we started, it was every Thursday, right. For like the first four weeks. And then I just said, Oh, that's not sustainable. So we went to every other week and then we went to once a month and I'm just so, so grateful for all the readers, writers who've come on and shared their stories with us. Um, all the people who we've gotten connected to 
you know, it started out as the writers I knew, and then it grew beyond that. And people who knew someone else who they would put, put us in touch with. And it has just opened up this world of so many grief stories that we've heard so many stories that we wouldn't have if we hadn't created this platform. Yes. Yeah. It's been a true honor to get to witness people's stories. I think one of the major uh, legs of our platform standards, I don't know, points of our platform is that we are just kind of swimming in the deep end and being messy and figuring it out as we go. Um, We'd always kind of wanted to start a podcast when we did it, but that was three years ago. So we're now like four months in, I think five months in podcasting and it's been really fun and we just got better audio equipment and my editing is still not great um but that's not you know the most important part so just being messy and playful and creating the space to hear people's great stories has been fabulous um I don't think you and I could ever do this super slick and shiny because you know we I don't want to say we're hot messes all the time because I don't feel like a hot mess, but we definitely just like to jump in and go. Oh yeah. We're both very willing just to jump in and and give it a go. And, and part of the beauty of that, I really do believe, or I'm, I'm fooling myself. I'm not sure which one is true. Like um, people are, we're authentic, right? And so people are authentic with us and we've created this space. I, I don't, I don't think about it until someone says something like it really is this gentle, tender, comfortable place to come share your stories. We've had so many people on coffee talk that it's been the first time they've done a reading and it just, it, it makes me like all teary when I hear other people say to them, this is a great place to start. Right. And we've also had people on who are really well-known authors who've done lots of readings and they still say how much they appreciate, um, just the way, the way we hold this space, the way we created it and the people who are drawn to it. It's a very, it's a really gentle way to come share your story and for people to really feel connected to you because you told your true story because we're not overproduced or shiny, but I don't know. I think we're pretty shiny in the real way, right? Because it's this beautiful thing we've created. I completely agree. And uh, in this conversation here, I was thinking back to the beginning of the pandemic when we spent hours in the house talking about grief stories and grief in society. And I would get, constantly say like, whoa, whoa, we got to put this on the podcast, which never happened. Um, <laughs> and then we we have uh, gotten into the podcast and interviewing people because, you know, you and I only have so much we can say back and forth to each other. And we're learning more through talking to other people. Um, but I do think these podcasts with just you and I having a conversation are very interesting and um, sharing some of our soapboxes that we talked about a lot in 2020 with our uh, listeners is probably something we could get into too, just doing a few episodes with no guest. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then that makes me think like, what are what have been some of your big learnings, takeaways, what are some things that some ahas that you've had as we've been interviewing people, um, some new insights you didn't have before? Hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing that I've like learned and I tried to express in our intro sometimes 
is just like how common so many of the emotions of grief are and how much the thread no matter what the event of the grief was whether it was somebody dying or job loss or health loss or even like grief of not having things we um I often think of a lady that read about the grief of not having children when I think of a different style of grief that the emotions are so much the same and that uh and different at the same time um but in not talking about grief so much in society, they feel so isolating and like, oh, nobody would understand what I'm going through. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa, we've heard 200 stories. And th- I think those people would understand. They they didn't go through the same thing. They're, you know, they're the best people to sit with in your grief and just talk through the things you need to talk through. But it's not that nobody would understand. It's how common grief is in everybody's life and almost how common like shoving it under the rug is also. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we all, you know, we say like we're squeamish culturally, we're squeamish about grief, right? We don't want to talk about it. We'd rather, we'd rather turn away from it. And, um, and that's why we're doing this, right? It's an opportunity to say, let's not turn away. Let's open the door. Let's talk about it. Let's see what's there. Um, because in, in having those conversations, um, it really, for me, part of it, like it kind of demystifies it, right? When you realize, I love what you said, because it's so true that people can have very different experiences, but oftentimes the feelings that go with it, that's, that is what is shared. And that's when people come together and talk about it. We see that in our writing group too, right? That there's this, um, even though we're doing it on zoom, you can just see it on people's faces, this sense of relief of really, of really getting to experience that they're not alone because grief can feel really lonely. People, you could, it's, I mean, I know in my early grief after my husband died, um, I definitely felt like this couldn't happen to anybody but me, right? I'm 28. I'm building my life. Being widowed is something that happens when you're older. And that's just not true. It happens at all stages of lives. And for me, being in my support group was so beautiful because I was with other women who were young like me with children. And that was my first thing like, oh, I'm not alone here, right? Like our stories are different, but I'm not alone. Um, and I didn't really consciously think about that. I'll have to say when we started creating this, but it's something I surely experienced and I can see with the people both at Coffee Talk and who come do the writing with us. Yeah, I can really see that. I think one of my other big takeaways that I've gotten a lot is that like the the reason that we almost have grief is because we had so much love for that person, thing, idea, and that it's not like an emptiness from the love, but the grief wouldn't be there if we didn't care. So um, I don't think I really understood that before we started these conversations. Yeah, it is. That's beautiful. It's why you hear that grief is love because it is like, if you didn't love the person, the thing, the experience and lose it, you wouldn't have grief around it. Yeah. So is there anything else that you've learned or any other tools you've gotten from our chats with people? Well, I think there, I mean, there, yes, like it's reinforced my whole, like, um, the best thing to do with a griever is just to be with them, right. To acknowledge that maybe you don't know what to say. 
and that's okay. The best thing you can do for someone who's grieving is to witness them, is to be with them, to let them know you care, to let you let them know that you love them, um, to not put your story on their story, right? Silence is better than putting your story on their story. And it's also so okay just to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm here. Um, it's also such a good thing to offer assistance in and give options. Like, can I get groceries for you? Can I pick up your kids? Um, I, you've heard me say this a lot, but when I was grieving, my neighbor used to cut my lawn and he wouldn't tell me he just would do it. And it was one of the, even all these years later, it's one of the kindest things anyone did because grass keeps growing no matter what's happening in your life, your grass keeps growing. And I did not have the bandwidth to cut it myself. Right. And um, sometimes it would take me a couple of days to even notice that my grass had been cut. Um, and uh, a, a few years ago, actually, I went back and saw my neighbor, John, and got to really thank him for doing that for me because it was just such a, and he, for him, it was simple. He was cutting his grass, but to me, it just meant so much. Um, so, you know, offering something specific to people, not just saying, what can I do for you? Cause when you're deep in your grief, you don't, you don't know what it is. Right. Um, one of the, one of my favorite little things that I have definitely added to my tool bag, as I like to say, uh, one of our guests was on and said something she does is that she takes paper plates to the, to the home where people are grieving. Cause it is true. All kinds of people will bring you food and doing the dishes can be really hard. Right. So I thought that's, that's brilliant. Um, or to take the, you know, to take a dinner and with a note that says, just leave the dirty dishes outside when you're done. Right. Any little thing that we can do to um, relieve some of the dailiness of life for someone grieving is really, is just really such a blessing for that person. Yeah. Yeah, that was def that was one of our earlier episodes, and I definitely still remember her saying that too. Um, so I was thinking, like we've talked a lot with our guests about their stories, and we've heard us uh, not a lot about Kent, but we definitely know some of your story from Kent. Um, but we haven't told a lot of our other grief stories, and we even hear that on our podcast with the guests. Like, we'll ask them a brief version of their grief story, and there's so much grief throughout life that like you can't bring that down to 40 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, but for us, if we just wanted to throw a little bit more in about our grief stories or something like that, um, as you were talking, I was just reflecting, I'm going to even start crying saying this though. Sorry. Um, I like growing up. So I'm only 32. So I feel like I might not have as much grief as some of the stories I've heard. But like growing up, we heard so much about Kent and that was fabulous. But now with having these conversations, I uh, understand so much more about like what my mom was going through at that point in our life when I was a kid. Because I never had really thought about that, right? Um, so it's hard. Like we've, I've heard a lot, like you never know, you know, what your parents were going through when you were a kid. You just knew them as your parents. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, like reflecting back on like, oh, hearing other people's grief stories, I can kind of more understand like what my mom was going through and my dad, because he was having his own grief story when I was growing up of his brother dying um, unexpectedly in a logging accident, which he shares sometimes. Um, 
So although grief was like normalized in her home, which was cool and talked about like as a kid, I didn't get it per se, like what it's like to be an adult. So yeah, there you go. I wasn't expecting to cry this episode. I know. So now you've got me crying too. Um, I really appreciate that you said that. And it's true. Like as a kid, as a kid, you're the kid, right? And, and when you're the kid, what the, the soup of the family that you're in, that's, what's normal to you. Right. And both dad and I did our best to like, um, share our grief in a responsible way. Right. I didn't want you to feel like I always wanted you to know that we are your parents and we love you and that we're perfectly capable, that we were no longer devastated by that loss. But I also wanted it to be that grief is part of life. And so we wanted it, we wanted to have conversations around it. Um, but I always wanted, I always wanted you and Jake to know that like that I was solid, right? That even though I'd yeah. been through all that, um, as I say, like widowed is something that happened to me, it's not who I was. Right. I didn't want to stay in that space. I wanted, I wanted to, and I, I did. I mean, I wanted to grow from it. I wanted it to enhance my life instead of, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to shrink me. And I didn't want you guys to feel like you had to tiptoe around. Right. Um, yeah. The, the yeah. anniversary of Ken's death, the one year when Jake was, when I said like, this is the day, right. He was like, I always know there's one day out of the year when, when you were, when you're just so sad and I thought hey you know what that's pretty good right yeah well yeah because it wasn't a sad life at all as a kid I don't, I don't mean it that way at all like and it wasn't talked about as like grief that much to me either it was more like like talking about Kent just like keeping his memory alive when we were kids and um not in a sad way and like a you know getting to know um well Jake's father and my second father I think yeah, we wanted to keep him present for everybody. Yeah. So. While still moving forward in our lives, right? It is this, yes. it is like this, this, it can be a tricky balance for people. It's something we used to talk about in my support group all those years ago, right? Because we all had children and we wanted to keep the that father who had died. We wanted to keep him in our memories and in our hearts. And we also all, we all ended up remarrying and we wanted to keep moving forward in our lives too. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's a paradox and sometimes it's just life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So other than, you know, Kent dying and your life taking a complete 90 degree turn, um, were there any other like griefs in your life you wanted to share with our listeners? I know we've talked about several off air. Yeah. Well, I mean, like my current one is, is my mom. My mom has, my mom, your grandma has dementia and she has for a number of years now. Um, and dementia, I'm not going to swear on our podcast, but I sometimes do around it. Um, you know, it's, as it's been described as the slow goodbye, right? The long goodbye. And it is really a horrible way to lose somebody, to just lose them a little bit at a time. That's been a really big grief for me. Um, my stepdad, your granddad also had dementia. He died about 12 years ago. Um, that was a huge heartache for me. 
my dad now has been gone for almost six years, had a lot of grief around that. Um, and younger, you know, the growing up in a, growing up in a family with alcoholism creates its own kind of grief that again, similar to what I was saying about you as a kid, I didn't recognize as a kid. I recognized as an adult and then thank goodness for good therapy, did a lot of work around that too. Um, you know, like, just like when we name off in the, in the coffee talk, there's, you know, those are like big ones. There are the, there are the small griefs, the, um, the disappointments that can also be a grief. Um, and life is full of like the, those, those small moments too, you know, a friendship that goes sideways, um, a job that you really wanted that didn't work out, um, you know, moving when you didn't expect to, right. Can be yeah, its own. That I mean, happened that, to you. <laughs> that's happened to me a few times. And, you know, I'm a very, um, I'm a very optimistic person. So I've always found the joy in it. I've always made been like, okay, it's an adventure. We're doing this thing, but there's also some grief around leaving what I thought was going to be. And then, and then pivoting to what, what is now, and then what's going to be. How about for you? Well, uh, as you were talking about grandma, your mom, um, which we've talked about before, but I definitely have like grief around uh, the fact that she's, I'm not crying so much, the fact that she's still alive with dementia, because, you know, I have animals and I think it's one of our great kindness to our horses to euthanize them when they're old and senile and don't have a quality of life. Um. And, you know, take good care of them up to that point. But I think as our their stewards, we do have a responsibility to them. And I look at our, my grandma, I'm like, why is she still here? You know, um, she, we can't make that choice for her. And she did not sign any of those paperwork when she was able to. But that's definitely something that I can struggle with in life. Looking at people, I'm like, what are they still doing here? Why are they hanging on? And like, why can't we do them the kindness of just being done and crossing over? Um, because I think if she was in her right mind, she wouldn't want to live the way she's living. You know, she's she was always a very like, pro I don't know if proper the right way word. You know, private at least individual and. That is not her life anymore because she can't physically take care of herself. So that just doesn't feel good. Um, even like we talk about her lipstick and she was always someone that always had to wear lipstick. Right. And I don't know if she is now, but at least the last time I saw her, she was not. And like, that's such a, was such a ritual in her life for so long. And like that to me, that's not, quality of life really anymore when you can't even put on your own lipstick that you've worn for so long so so that um looking back as a kid a few of the things I wrote down here that we haven't really shared on the podcast in the past was um oh Jesus this was not my intention to see crying when we hot mess express podcast um hey here's the uh, beautiful thing about crying 
when you cry, it like opens that door and, and it makes it easier for other people to cry. Cause you know, I'm That's a crier true. and I don't I'm mind crying, crying obviously. <laughs> I know neither do I. And I'm always like, it's a good, it's a good thing. Like we're, we're, we're emotive people. Right. And then that sort of opens that space for other people to be also. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I, well, we've done a lot of personal development work in the past 10 years or so. And it's something that's come up for me a lot with that, that I didn't understand until I started, you know, peeling back the layer of the onions that I had all this grief that I was carrying that I didn't even know was there. I was uh, like, I was, I don't even know how to describe it. I was born with hearing loss, I guess, or I couldn't hear well when I was born. And we didn't know until I was five, maybe. I don't know when you actually did the hearing stuff. Three. You could probably tell the story better than I could because I don't remember that time in my life. But I do know that it created a lot of um, people can't understand me thought processes. Like, screw you. I'm going to do it anyways, even if you don't know what I mean. And then I have like grief around not the hearing loss, but like the needing to be fixed, basically. Like that somebody told me it wasn't good enough for me to live my life basically as a small child. Um, so then my parents got me tubes in my ears, which fixed the hearing and then I could hear and then I could actually speak properly, but I had to go to speech therapy for a heck of a many years, which I hated. And I hated feeling like different than the other kids. And I didn't know, I think that my speech was bad. I just knew that I was different and singled out. Um, so, and I, and I did not like the therapy at all. <laughs> like, I did not like my speech therapist. I did not like the procedures. It was not a fun time. Um, but looking back in the personal development world and then thinking back on it, like, that's where I picked up a lot of the, um, things in my life, like, about people not getting me, I guess. So, uh, and then working with the grief work, but learning grief around that. So, just like, I don't know, it's just this the story the way it was, but it's uh, just I don't know, I don't know how it could have been any different to be better either. That's the other thing, right? Other than I'm not convinced that speech therapist was good with kids, but you say she was good at her job. <laughs> Oh, you mean the private one or the one at school? No, the private lady. The private one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. I uh, really, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, Cause there are people listening who have their own version of that story and it is really impactful when you're small. Right. And um and what you, what you decide about yourself based on what's happening around you, even though, even though your parents did their best to like, once we figured out what was going on to course correct and, and give you really good therapy. And, you know, I know that I know you didn't like it. And then I know that having it in school, that was, we stopped doing it in school because then you said like, you hated being pulled out of class. You didn't like feeling different. Well, yeah. 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 But I was, I was always in, not always in the different category in school, but kind of like I got pulled out of class for speech because I wasn't good at speech, but then I got pulled out of class for math because I was too good at math. 
right? Like, it's true. I think our school system is just like <laughs> screwed up either way. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's true. You know, um, you got both both ends of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's funny. And then um, other like childhood grief stories, I guess for me was a big one was uh, my best friend's mom died when I was grade. And that was a big loss. And it was the, it's my audience. uh, It was the day after 9-11 that she died. So I... Like, I didn't really get what 9-11 was in fifth grade, I guess. Living on the West Coast, I'd never seen the Twin Towers before they were on TV that one day. I had no idea that there was Twin Towers in New York or whatever. Um, So 9-11 was weird. But then having somebody that I cared about so much die was worse. So. Yeah. That was really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, and your kindergarten teacher. Right. Well, um, I don't actually remember being that sad about that because I wasn't in kindergarten when she died. Well, that's true. You were in second grade, but it was that thing of like a collective grief. Cause here was the beloved kindergarten teacher, both you and Jake had her hundreds of kids had her and um, you had her actually her last year that she was really healthy. And then the following year she taught part-time. And then when you were in second grade, she had breast cancer and it metastasized and she died Um, And one of the things I really appreciated about the school is the principal asked if parents who were comfortable with grief would come and just be present at the school. And so that if any kid needed something extra, wanted to go out in the hall, wanted to talk, not talk, draw, whatever, that we could be this, an extra layer of comfort. Um, it makes me want to cry again. Cause I was, I was just so touched that that, that was the right thing to do because it was elementary school. They talked about bringing in grief counselors and they talked about really it's the parents who know these kids. Um, so of course I was one of the parents that went and did that. Um, they're actually the number of us that went and did it wasn't that big. Um, and it was a really, a a reminder for me. And again, how uncomfortable people are talking about grief and, and, you know, but then I was like, come on, we got it. Cause parents will do anything for the kids. Right. I'm like, no, you have to show up. You don't have to say anything. Actually, the kids will say some beautiful things to you if you're just present with them and listen. Um, and it actually, I wrote, I ended up writing an essay about it years later because one of the little girls um, who I got to be in the hall with, I just listened. And she said some of the most beautiful things about grief and about her experience she had lost um, a grandmother and an aunt to breast cancer already, and then her kindergarten teacher. And I'll just share one of the, she, she looked at me and she said, you know, people say that when you've had grief, that when you have another one, it makes it easier because you know what's going to happen. And I just looked at her and she <laughs> looked me right in the eye and she said, it doesn't. This is really hard. I thought, yeah, this is really hard. It's really hard to be such a little person and already lose three significant people. Yeah. But the school, the school did good that day. They, I, I really admired that they didn't just act like nothing had happened. There was space to talk about Mrs. A and the teachers were great talking with the kids. 
kind of funny because I honestly don't really remember that happening that much. <laughs> um, but I do remember after 9-11 and uh, Debbie, like, I don't think we did anything. <laughs> I don't know what you remember. But I and I remember just being like, this is weird, like, lecture. but now I'm like, I bet that they didn't even know what to do. Because, like, how was I? Um, and then much less this mom had, had been very involved in our community. She was. She was. She was beloved. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I don't think the school really did anything. The Her, her memorial service was huge. It was huge. She's this very well-loved mom. And um, she had three little girls. One of them, Maria's best friend. And we all rallied around that family. Um, I made lots of meals and uh, my husband's a bass player and Debbie really liked hearing him play the bass. So that was something he did for her is take his upright bass over and play. And, you know, we organized the meals. We just, we helped with the kids. We did as many as a community, we did as many practical things for them as we could so that the family could just be the family together and not have to be concerned about the dailiness of life. I don't know if there's anything else we want to share now. We should do these episodes more often where we just talk about I guess stuff. we have things to say. Apparently. <laughs> um, so in doing these podcasts, uh, what are we kind of hoping that the listeners could get out of hearing our stories and other people's stories? Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Um, for me, it is, we say it over and over again, like wanting to normalize grief wanting to give grief a microphone. My hope is that um, people come and listen and and really listen, right? And take it in. And then that opens doors for them to have conversations in their families, with their friends, in their communities. You know, we just don't have enough language and tools around grief. So we're culturally, and so we're attempting to provide some of that. So even for people who haven't experienced a big grief yet, um, they can learn more about it. There's plenty to learn about it. And that way, when they experience their own or they're close to someone who is experiencing it, they can, they can come at it with more compassion. They um, they've, they've learned some things. So that really, that really is my hope um, to increase education, to just help people grow their hearts. Cause it is all about compassion and kindness. And the more we, share these stories, we see that we really are in this collective together. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's, it feels like several people find us when they're in their deep beginning of their grief after a big event, which, you know, we're very happy to support those people. But I, for me, like the learningness of all this about emotion and supporting people and hearing people's stories while not being in the thick of tremendous grief has been so such a gift and so educational and um like I hope people will listen to us who aren't just in the thick of it too like we want to support those in the in the muck and those who aren't so much in the muck right now who can still learn and help those who are in the muck Absolutely. You know, it takes having the long view takes a little bit of time 
you know, um, but to me, it is that uh, continuing to educate people, um, continuing to just make grief a normal part of conversation, not something that we shy away from because um, there's so much beauty in there. I love, love one of the people we had on our podcast just really talked about how how much more human she feels from grieving. And then she said, hey, she wished, and I say this about myself too, she, she doesn't seek it out because that just sounds weird. But at the same time, she knows in her grief, there's just going to be more growth as a human. Her heart's going to get bigger. Her compassion is going to get bigger. And, you know, we kind of laughed about, it'd be really nice um, if there was a shortcut, but if there is, I, I haven't found it yet. Um, I do know that it is, it is sort of this equalizer in some ways. Um, and if people really look at it, dive into it, help themselves and help others, it can just add to your life. Yeah. And it is an equalizer to me. It is like so expected, but not something we want to expect. Right. But like, if I, I think if when people I've talked to a few people not on the podcast but just in real life who are like almost turned off by the idea of grief or like oh we won't about that or that must be so sad and I'm like but that happened to you at some point and it probably already has if you've been on more than a few years um so I think conversations is so important so uh, one of our asks to you then as the listeners, so you could keep supporting us is if you would uh, review this podcast, because that helps us get seen on more platforms. And if you would share it with someone, you know, um, when we started, I was like, if we can get 75 downloads in a few, like, I think I gave myself like six episodes because I hear these people get doing podcasts that nobody listens to them. I was like, we need at least 75 downloads in like six episodes, and then we'll keep going. And we have crossed over the 2100 download uh, mark, which is fabulous. And I just like want more and I want to share it more with people. So if uh, as a listener, if you could share it with someone, that would mean so much to us. And if you have anything you'd like to say or any feedback to us, uh, our email is probably the best place, which is coffeeandgrief at gmail.com. Um, I love hearing from people and in hearing how even how like this has helped you or any small feedback it also just helps fuel my own personal fire to like keep doing this and keep giving back to people uh because right now we're really just doing this for the good feelings <laughs> and it does take quite a bit of time so yeah but it is it's a beautiful way we get to be of service right yeah. and that I know that that matters so much to both of us. Um, and I, and I know it's genuinely, genuinely touching people's lives because they tell us, but yes, please do share it. Um, and let us know what you think about it. Yeah. And it has genuinely like expanded my worldview so much that I don't know. Um, I mean, we don't have a crystal ball, but I don't know where I would be if we hadn't done this podcast and these conversations because I have gotten so much life experience through other people's life experience the past several years versus just the school of hard knocks so it's much easier to learn things from talking to people than from having to go through it all yourself absolutely absolutely so many ways to grow so I know you talked a little bit about your book in the opening 
but uh, would you like to touch on your book a little bit more? Tell people, you know, a little bit more about it. It's something that's been pretty new in the world. So. Absolutely. Um, so the title of it is The Fifth Chamber, and it is a love story and a lost story. And I like to say that lands heavily on the love side. Um, it was just out mid-September. It's still it's still new in the world, which has just been such a joy. I've had a, the pleasure of doing a couple of readings. I have a few more coming up. If you are in the Portland area, I'll be reading at Annie Bloom's this Monday, um, October 23rd at 7. And then I'll be in Tacoma, Washington on Thursday, October 26th. And that one is at King's Books at six o'clock. Um, and then I get to be in Santa Monica, November 6th at Zibby Bookstore. And that one, oh, I'll have to put it in the show notes. That time might be 6.30. All the times are a little bit different. Um, it really is a joy. The local ones, my husband accompanies me on the base while I read. And that is such a treat for me. And people love it. When we did it at the first reading, somebody asked if we could please do an audio book like that. And that just that just made my heart go thump, thump. Um, so yeah, I would love it if you, you can buy the book wherever you get books. Actually, the um, the electronic version is going to be out in a couple of weeks, which will help people who don't actually want the hard book. And similar to reviewing this show, if you could give me a review on Amazon or Goodreads, that would be awesome. It's one way books get seen. It doesn't matter where you bought it. You can always go to those sites to review the book. So I thank you so much for reading my book for reviewing it. You can email me if you're so moved and tell me how it landed for you. It is my great joy when people send me emails and, and just tell me how it was for them. Cause part of my desire in this book is, um, I wrote the book I was looking for years ago and it didn't exist. Then it exists in other forms now, but I really did write what I felt I needed all those years ago. Um, and I really hope that it is a comfort to people who are grieving and um, uh, and a resource for people who who maybe aren't but want to know more. Um, and it's more than just grief, right? It's also I've I've woven in backpacking stories and dreams and all kinds of fun things. So please have a look at it. Let me know what you think. It has been a it was a joy to write, and I'm just so happy and grateful that it's in the world now. Yeah, it's been really cool to see people like on Facebook holding your book. And I'm sure that's really cool for you too. That I'm like, oh, my mom made that. And now it's like people around the US and around the world are taking pictures with it. It does. You can't see my face, but I have a really big smile. It is just such a, a joy to see people post pictures of my book and them with my book. That is That for me is part of the dream and such a beautiful thing to be walking in this dream now with my eyes wide open. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so we also want to uh, tell people, ask people, I guess, to mark their calendars for December 8th. If they want to come do a little mini workshop with us, um, it will be, we like to in December offer like a, uh, it's an hour or two long workshop for you to come and write with us around grief. And it's often holiday um not themed. I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, related. I mean, it's very common for grief to come up around the holidays. So we just like to offer a place where you can come and write some of it and we'll be together. We'll share some writing, some writing starts or prompts and 
it's an opportunity for you to read and then for you, for you to write and then for you to read if you want to. Yeah. So look for more info on our Facebook page. We'll put something up soon about it, but it is December 8th and we know the holidays get busy. So we wanted to kind of block that out. Now it's uh, at noon Pacific because we're on the West coast. So everything's always Pacific time for us. Yeah. We look forward to it. So uh, with that, we'll kind of wrap it up for the day. So we would love to hear from you if you want to connect with us. We have a Facebook community. It's called Coffee and Grief Community. You're welcome to share any of your own grief interpretations in there, any of your art questions, stories. Uh, we invite you to promote yourself, just not any services you're actually selling. Um, so we'd like to see that on Facebook. It's a wonderful community to be in. You can go request to join. And if you want to email us, it was coffeeandgrief at gmail.com. We love getting emails from you guys too. Yeah. And if there's ever something you'd like us to talk about on this podcast, or you'd like to share for Coffee Talk, please do email, email us and let us know. So with that, we'd like to say thank you for being with us at this time. It was just such a pleasure to have this conversation and to get to be in your ears for a bit. And I hope that the there is something that we said landed on you in a really good way today. So we always close with saying, be good to yourself, be kind to your hearts, drink plenty of water, do something kind for yourself. And if you have the bandwidth, do something kind for another. With that, we'll say goodbye. We love you. Bye. We love you. Please come back. Bye. Bye. Bye.